the power of words or the power of the tongue. Before we get into 1 John, I want to cover a little news. John Gunter, who is in Spain right now and in contact with the brethren scattered in Europe, he sent from one of the martyrs' books, and he's right there close to where the Waldensians are because he's working in Spain right now. So just a little bit over to the east is where the Waldensians were, and here is he gives a quote about what it, what it was like during the days when everyone was being hunted down and martyred, okay? And the faith that those people had. Keep your eyes on this. Germany, far-right AFD, that's the abbreviation for political party, raises the scepter of Dexit. That means leaving the European Union. But what they will do is come in, as I've said years ago, the Germans will rise up in power and they will come as the savior of Europe. And everyone will think, well, they learned their lesson with the destruction of the Second World War. Well, people forget that Hitler in his dying days said, even though there's defeat, there will rise up another generation to carry on. So this is the beginning, and it will be step by step of how the power in Europe comes about. Now, it's also interesting that concerning how things lay geographically and biblically, very interesting. You have right in the heart of Europe, Germany, Western Czechoslovakia, and Austria. They are all Assyrians. And around them are what? the tribes of Israel. See? The tribes of Israel were always close to the Ninevites. So keep that in mind as we watch the prophecy unfold. Okay? Now here's another one. This is an advertisement called Total Brain. And how today too many people are depressed, they are down, they are out, because of the food that they eat and the thoughts they put in their head and the destruction of the family and the destruction of society. Okay? Now then, all of that also is in the power of the tongue, right? And the words that they speak. And what are they doing? They are taking people down. Now, it's a very difficult time to build people up. But God wants us to build each other up, but he also wants us to beware that we use our tongue properly. So how do we do that? 
Let's come to 1 John, the third chapter, and we will see. First thing you need to do is always keep your mind on the goal. So that when something comes along that is not very pleasant, which we'll have that from time to time, okay, and maybe even victimize ourselves by doing it, but nevertheless, keep your mind on the goal. That's what John says here, okay? Verse 1, he says, Behold, what glorious love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. Now think of that. That's why we were made in the image of God. Just like Roger brought out in his message. And as I've advertised on Church at Home, now you go on Church at Home, I I have done four segments that are already online, Sexualization of the World, and Jonathan and I did three more yesterday. Okay? And in all of the false things that they are teaching, and especially going after the young ones, and making books and teaching it in schools, see? All by the power of words. Okay? So take the power of the words here. Behold, what glorious love the Father has given to us that we should be called the children of God. So whenever things get tough, don't forget that. And remember the people during the days when the church was being slaughtered and killed because they wouldn't submit to the Pope and wouldn't believe in the Trinity— And their view of what was going on was this. They even volunteered who was going to be first to be killed because they knew once death took hold, they were guaranteed the resurrection, see, because they had this kind right here, okay? Now it says here, For this very reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Now that's going to be something. What is it going to be like to be a spirit being? Okay. What is it going to be like to have the power in ruling as a king or priest in the millennium, in the kingdom of God, to be able to help and teach people directly. And we can appear and disappear. We can walk through walls. We can walk through whatever there is necessary. Now, that's going to be something. So this is what God has in store for us. So when we get our our feelings involved and feeling down on what is happening, whether by people out in the world or people within the church or just watching depressing things on television. Remember, God has called us that under Christ, we will change it. All right? 
But we know that when he is manifested, that is Christ, we shall be like him. Okay? Now, what does he look like? Hold your place here. Let's come to Revelation, the first chapter. Okay? Then we'll come back to 1 John 3. Now, what did Jesus say while we're, we're turning here? What did he say in Matthew 13? Revelation, the first chapter, the very first chapter. We're going to look at what Christ looks like, but also understand this. He said that the righteous will shine, how? As the sun. So the next time you're out there and look at the sun, and you can't look at it very long, okay, that's the glory that God will give us. Daniel said that those who turn many to righteousness shall shine as what? The stars of heaven. What was the promise given to Abraham, Genesis 15? God said, now look to the heavens and count the stars if you're able to number them. So shall your seed be. Now, that's quite an astounding thing, isn't it, huh? Going clear back 3,000-plus years ago. And it shows you how spiritual and living that the Word of God really is, because not only did it make sense to Abraham, but there was a lot he didn't understand. But now... Look at when we see the fulfillment of a lot of these things, and we're living in this time. Okay? So here's what he, Jesus looks like. Verse 11, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. Okay? And he says in another place, the beginning and the ending. So there you have the circle that Roger talked about. See? All right? What you see, write in a book and send it to the churches which are in Asia, and then he lists all the seven churches. God wants us to know, right here in the beginning, because of everything that comes in the book of Revelation, is so terrible and so horrible and so destructive, he wants us to keep our minds on what? What we will be as he is. Okay? Now, notice what John said. He said, I turned to see the voice. <laughs> he saw Christ, not just the voice. That spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw a golden lampstand in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man clothed in a garment reaching to the feet and gird about the chest with a golden breastplate and on his hair, head and hair were like wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass as if they glowed in a furnace and his voice was like the sound of many waters. Now that's something. You talk about awesome, Okay. And in his right hand he had seven stars, and a sharp two-edged sword went out of his mouth, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its full power. Now when John saw that, he fell down on his feet, and Christ came to him seven, came to John and said, I'm the one who is dead. 
but I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and the grave. Okay? So there's the whole plan of God right there. Right there. Summarized. Okay, let's come back to 1 John. Okay. So he says in verse 3, And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Now, what does it mean to purify ourselves? That means to get rid of all the flaws and things that we have, because we have plenty of them, right? Yes. And sometimes our flaws inflict upon others. Okay. And we say and we do things that we maybe could do a little different. You know, sometimes we look at things and say, well, I wish I never said that. Then there are other times come along and you say, I wish I would have said something. <laughs> See, so that shows how we're lacking. Okay. Okay. Everyone who has this hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. Stated another way, growing in grace and knowledge continually. See? God made us to continually learn. If you think that we know anything now, I think we're going to find out that our knowledge as human beings and even in the church of God is more like a speck or two of dust compared to what God is and what God has for us. Eh? So keep that in mind. All right? Now then, he tells us how to purify ourselves, beginning in verse 4. Everyone who practices sin. Now we're going to focus on the word practice, and in the Greek that is poieo. There are actually five different words about keep. The main one is poieo. This is what you do, okay? The one who practices sin, okay? Sin is a transgression of the law, all right? Is also practicing lawlessness. Now, I'm going to bring a message on lawlessness because there are various aspects of lawlessness that come along, okay? Lawlessness means going against the laws of God. See? Have you ever heard a Protestant or a Catholic minister use those verses there? No. No. Because they say the law is done away. Now, when you analyze that, that's got to be the most stupid satanic statement in the world. See? So God gives them what they ask for. Is there lawlessness reigning in America? Are they upset with it? Are policemen resigning because they are given no protection by anyone? And they promoted idiots to be judges? And they let the criminals go? And what do they do? They say, we have free reign. Okay? So they go out and do it again. 
One man who killed was let loose because of the idiot judge, and he went out and killed again. I remember the prisoner that I heard who was smart, though he was a murderer. He said, if you let me go, I'll do it again. So he was honest with himself in an evil way. All right? Okay, for sin is lawlessness. Okay? Talks about why Christ came with his sacrifice. And you know that he appeared in order that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Okay? Now then, here's how we purify ourselves by using the Spirit of God. Right here, verse 6. Everyone who dwells in him does not practice sin. Okay? Now we're going to see a little later on, in just a bit, that we do sin, but we don't practice it. Because practice means you live in sin. Sinning and repenting which is what God gives us through his mercy and grace. That is a different story. And so those are the kind of sins that we'll deal with concerning the power of tongue between us as brethren. Okay. Everyone who dwells in him does not practice sin. Anyone who practices sin has not seen him nor knows him. Little children, do not allow anyone to deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous. So, if you are practicing righteousness, you're keeping the law because that's what righteousness is. And Psalm 119, 172 said, All, I'll ask a Protestant about this verse. All your commandments are what? Righteousness. Every one of them. Now, we have the big law, Ten Commandments, right? But then in order to define various degrees of that, what do we have? We have judgments and ordinances and precepts. All that God gave. Okay? So, if all of his commandments... And every word that God has spoken is righteousness, even the condemnation of the wicked. Should we not follow God's way? All right. Now let's read it here. In verse 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil. Now, do we see that today? All of that going along? See? And even we, if we give in to a temptation because of something that Satan is doing, we need to repent of that as well. But notice those who practice sin, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil in God's plan, in his time, and in his way that we know from the Sabbath and the holy days. See? The world with a fake Jesus, they've got the fake holidays 
They worship on the day of the sun. And Jesus never said you can worship on the first day of the week. And no man has authority to change the word of God. Because if you change the word of God, what, what is that? What did we just read? That's lawlessness. Okay. All right. Now notice. Verse 9. Contrasting. The world versus those who belong to God. Everyone who has been begotten by God does not practice sin because his seed of begettal is dwelling within him, and he's not able to practice sin because he has been begotten by God. So what does the Spirit of God in you do so that you don't practice it? It convicts you that you need to repent. See? That's why. Okay. Now, Paul talks a lot about that in Romans, the seventh chapter. All right. Now then, let's see how we are to control ourselves. Let's come here to chapter, chapter one. And let's look at it so that we understand. Because with us as brethren, from many different walks of life, when we get together, there are going to be thoughts of contrast. There are going to be thoughts of, well, I don't know about this one, I don't know about that one, you know. Remember, God has called us all the weak of the world, so don't get high and mighty, right? Okay, all right. Let's begin in verse 3, chapter 1. Again, now I want you to see how John writes. He always starts out by focusing us on God. See? That's how we don't let sin rule in us that we practice it. But we do sin. Have I offended people? Yes. Have I been wrong? Yes. Have I said things I shouldn't say? Yes. Have I also said things that I should say, but the other person takes it that you should never tell me about that? Okay. Yes. Okay. So let's read it here. Keep your mind first on the goal and on the purpose and what our true fellowship is right here. Verse 3, chapter 1. That which we have seen and have heard, we are reporting to you in order that you may have fellowship with us. For the fellowship, now that is the fellowship. That's the way it is in the Greek. In other words, the primary fellowship. See? Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his own Son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's quite a thing. That's why we have the Sabbath, you see. God intended the Sabbath. We get together on the Sabbath, and the Word of God is preached and taught. And God wants the Word of God taught, because these are His words. And if we speak His words, it's the same as God sitting down 
And like one person said, well, if I could sit down and talk to God, I would believe it. And I told him, well, God has sent you a whole Bible. He's already talked to all of mankind. Okay. And look at all the Bibles in the world. See, not just the ones that don't require a battery, but all of those that are on the Internet in 3,000 languages. So how's that for a witness? See? But it's, it's like this. At the resurrection, God said to this man, well, I sent you my word. No, you never sent me your word. Yes, I did. How's that? I sent a Bible to you. Oh, that's what Grandma gave me. That wasn't you. Well, yes, it was. I never read it. Well, God said, that's not my fault. If I send it and you don't read it, Whose fault is that? See? And then people will say, well, I don't understand it. Well, the reason they don't understand it is because they're not ready to begin to obey. See? Just like Roger said, you have to have faith and you have to have belief and they tie together and that comes with the word of God. All right? Now, let's pick it up here in verse 6. If we proclaim we have fellowship with him and we are walking in darkness, that is practicing a lie, we are lying to ourselves. Now, that's the worst kind of lie. See? Worst kind of lies, you lie to yourself and you believe your lies. See? Even though everything is contrary to what you say. Okay? Now, I saw that on the news last night. There was this, this one guy, and he was absolutely deluded that he understood about changing genders. But they have proved changing gender is 100% impossible. Okay? But you could tell he was deluded. See? All right? He's lying to himself. And are not practicing the truth. Now, there's that word practicing. And truth, then, is what? All the word of God. Is that not right? Yes. However, if we walk in the light as he is in the light... Then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. What does this tell us? We need to be forgiven every single day, right? And isn't that the model prayer? Yes. And what do we pray for every day? The will of God to be done. What is the will of God when you sin? To repent. What is the will of God it to restore you, okay? Then he says this, the blood of Jesus Christ, his own son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we do not have sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. The saying is, we're all good people. 
Well, by what standard? Maybe by human standard, you're pretty good people. But by God's standard, what is God saying? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All right? Do we need God? Yes. Do we need Christ? Do we need forgiveness? Yes. Not just one time and you're on a you're on a rocket ship going to heaven. See? No way. Okay. Now notice verse nine. If we confess our own sins, huh? What is this? This is the best correction possible. Self-correction and repentance, right? Now, why is that the best? Because then no one else has to correct you, and God doesn't have to correct. Don't think of that. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that's quite a statement, isn't it? He's faithful. He's righteous. Okay? Verse 10. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And there's no lie in God, see? And this is what we see all the time on television, on the news, okay? Now, come down here to chapter 2 and verse 1. Again, he's writing so that they will know what to do. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Now, that's why we have Sabbath services, right? Yes. And the best thing about the Word of God is, if we take the Word of God and apply it to ourselves, we're correcting ourselves God's way. All right? Yet, if anyone does sin, so the question comes up, what do you do if anyone does sin? What if you sin? Okay. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he's the propitiation of our sins, and not of ours only, but also of the whole world, and that is in God's plan and time. Okay? Now, what do we do when we see someone in the church sin? Okay? Get on your roller skates and get to them as quick as you can and tell them they're sinning. No. Let's come to chapter 5, verse 16. Here's what we are to do. Now, what is the thing that you hear preached and taught all the time? Prayer. And study. Right? And God will give us his education and his thoughts and his mind and his spirit. So what if you see someone in the church sin? And what if you see that they sinned against you? And you took it 
Well, I don't know about that person. Look what they did. Okay. Now we'll talk about that in a minute because also we'll see the problem that comes in when you don't pray about it. So let's read it. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin that is not unto death. Now, what kind of sin is, is that? That is a sin that can be repented of. Okay. And the sins that we do are not sins unto death. Because none of us here are rejecting God, because if we would reject God, then we would have a sin unto death. But the very fact we're here on the Sabbath day shows that our sins are not sins unto death. Okay. Now, notice what we should do with those kinds of sins. He shall ask, and that means in prayer, and he will give him life for those who do not sin unto death. Okay? So, first thing you do is pray about it. Maybe you might have to pray a long time about it. Maybe you have to do like the widow woman who came to the unjust judge and said, save me of my avenger, my adversary. And he said, I won't do it, I won't do it, I won't do it. Well, Jesus said, be persistent like the widow because God will hear, because God wants to know, will you keep praying for that until I answer? Have you ever gone along and had things occur that you prayed about it and prayed about it and then pretty soon you forgot about it and then somewhere way down the road, you see it was answered. Okay? That's what we need to do. All right? Let's come to Matthew 7 and see what not to do. Because when people sin or when people do wrong, what do you always do? You impute motives. What if someone does something to you that you don't think is done in love? Well, they were mean to me. But what if they said was right? What do you need to do? You need to repent, right? Okay. So let's read it right here. Matthew 7 and verse 1. All right. Do not condemn others. That means with judgmental condemnation. So that you yourselves will not be condemned. So isn't that the first thing we do in our minds when someone in the church does something that isn't right or maybe even sins? Huh? When you condemn them this way, what are you doing? You're judging their heart. And no one knows the thoughts of anyone else. 
Now, a lot of wives know their husband very well, so they're able to understand how to operate under that, but many times you can't know their thoughts. No one can read your mind except God and you. Okay? Now then. Verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. Okay? So be careful how you do it. Right? Don't say... I know what he's thinking. I know what she's thinking. How do you know? Did you talk to them? Did you ask them? Huh? No, you don't know. All right. Look at what God does with people. And Paul is the perfect example. There are other examples we'll mention. Okay? Here he was going out with orders from the high priest the highest authority on earth to do the will of God, to arrest people who believe in Christ and and even have them killed. And Paul admits that in Acts the 26th chapter. All right? All those Jews in Jerusalem didn't believe that God called Paul. It was hard for them to believe it. And many of them never forgot it. But what does God say? Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Right? Okay. Remember when Paul came back to Jerusalem the last time? And they found him in the temple with others going through some of the rituals of cleansing that they had to go through? And someone said, oh, look, here's the one who's saying uh, all the things out there in the, in the diaspora that you don't have to have your children circumcised anymore. Paul wasn't saying that. Okay. Now, did God change circumcision of the flesh to circumcision of the heart? Yes, he did. Where's that found? Acts, the 10th chapter. Giving the Holy Spirit, which is circumcision of the heart to the Gentiles and then they were baptized now it had to be done that way because Peter he wouldn't have understood it any other way because he was he was steeped in Judaism and then you look at the problem that he had in Galatians the second chapter okay now then Here is what Jesus says. Here is the self-correction. See? This is how we get along when offenses occur between us. You pray, and you get the right attitude toward the individual. If you need to talk to them, then you go to them face to face. But if you really pray, sooner or later the barrier will come down, and you won't have to have a confrontation, okay? But if you do, listen to what the person says. Maybe they don't bring it the way you would like it. Well, they don't understand how you would like it, but they're trying to convey to you something that will help you so you can do 
Verse 3. Let's read it. Now, why do you look at the sliver that is in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the beam that is in your own eye? See? So what you do is you look at yourself, and you pray about it, 1 John 5, and ask God to intervene to change and let the circumstances work out. Forget it and ask God for understanding so you can operate with love and not with vengeance. Okay, there we go. So he says this, Or how will you say to your brother, Allow me to remove the sliver from your eye, and behold, the beam is in your own eye? Again, self-correction. Now, if you don't do that, here's where you end up. See? Now, did we not see a lot of that with what happened in the church? What happened with the brethren? What happens in the world? Yes. Wouldn't it be amazing if Biden would self-correct? Huh? And get up there and say, I've been wrong on everything. I'm closing down the border. I'm quitting spending all this money and I'm ordering Congress to cut the budget by 30%. And I'm asking everyone and all the preachers out there because this minister told me to tell all these preachers quit keeping Sunday and the holidays and start keeping the Sabbath and God's days. So now as president, I'm enforcing this and calling a day of fast. <laughs> okay. All right. No, he won't do that, so God's judgment is going to come upon him sooner or later. Okay? So, since he hasn't done that, verse 5, you hypocrite. See? That's what happens. When you accuse people of what you are doing and want them corrected, and you don't want to correct yourself, you're the greatest hypocrite in the world. And so much so that poor Biden, he had to use an alias so he could get the money and not be caught. First, cast out the beam from your own eye. Then you shall see clearly to remove the sliver from your brother's eye. Okay, there we have it right there. Those five verses, very instructive, see? This is what God wants. Now, we have coming up the Feast of Tabernacles, and a lot of us are going to be able to have a lot of fellowship with brethren who come and uh, assemble together. Uh, Roger's going to Blanchard, Idaho, one of the best places in the world to keep the feast, okay? And Roger is a horse lover, and they have horses up there, and they have mountains, okay? And he loves horses and mountains, right? And you ought to see him in his cowboy hat and shirt and jeans and boots, okay? 
And they're going to have a nice feast up there. All right? We're going to have a nice feast here, wherever the brethren are. See? Because we love God and we need to love each other. Now we're imperfect, so we're going to make mistakes. Okay? So if mistakes are made, help them along. Don't condemn them. Now, you may need to say something that's a little condemning to get the point, but help them along. And don't hold any grudges. See, that doesn't work. Why? Because you don't know if they repented or not, and if they have repented, what does God say he does with their sins? How far does he remove them? as far as the east is from the west, okay? So that's why in all of these things, you start with prayer. And the power of prayer is with what? Words, right? Okay, so this is how we are able to come together in peace, in love, in understanding, and to be able to help each other, not condemn each other, and overlook the faults of, of whatever it is that we may have, okay? Because we all have them. So, I just wanted to bring this up before we have the Feast of Tabernacles and coming together and so forth, and this is what is important. And also keep this in mind, that sooner or later, God is going to send us new people. What are they going to find? Are they going to find the love of God and the truth of God? Or are they going to find carnality within the, the fellowship group that is just like the world? Well, then why come? See? Okay? So, the power is in the words, from the tongue, for good.